You are listening to the Red Rock Podcast Network, featuring Pod of Thrones, Hoopla, Top Shelf Bangers Radio, and the Shiznit. This is the Red Rock Podcast Network. From Red Rock Studios in Los Angeles, California, this is the Shiznit. And your hosts, Damon Standifer, Charlie Bell, and Dean Now, put your hands together for the Shiznit. Well, all right. Welcome back to another episode of this. It's not supposed to happen. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Welcome back to another episode of the Shiznit. We realize that you have a choice in your podcast listening, and we appreciate you listening to us. A good day, Damon. What's happening, brother? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> and Charlie Beasy. Hey. What's up, girl? Same old, same old. Ready to get this podcast. <laughs> wow, was that the wrong answer? <laughs> I, I like the flower. I like the flower in your hair. Oh, I thank you. Yeah, I, I noticed the flower in your hair and your behind because you immediately showed it to me as you uh, entered the room. Yes. Well, I figured I, I would have to acknowledge it, or else you would uh, put me on blast like that time <laughs> when we didn't uh, make a comment about. About your highlights and whatnot. Right, right. Well, highlights cost a lot more money than than an ass shot. <laughs> so. well, but not quite as much as a flower. Right? <laughs> what, what, what kind of flower is that? I don't know. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a faux flower. <laughs> it's a faux, 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 it's a faux flower. <laughs> this is a daffodil. <laughs> I think it might be some sort of hibiscus. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't know what a hibiscus is either, so you know, that's, <laughs> that works for me. I think it's some kind of biscuit mixed with weed or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a good show uh, planned for you guys today, as usual. But uh, actually, this one is a, a little bit of a special show. And in case you guys did not uh, were not aware, this month is Sickle Cell Awareness Month. So in honor of that, we have a special guest here today who will be coming in a little bit later on and will be educating us about sickle cell, uh, sickle cell anemia, and uh, also about her event that she has going on. And uh, so we look forward to that and uh, catching up with her in a little bit. Yeah. So, Damon. Yes, sir. What's been up since last time, man? You had another... uh, um, was it a class reunion or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact. Uh, <laughs> Kindergarten class of 1940. No. <laughs> oh, come on. It was the 1950s, for God's sake. <laughs> Don't exaggerate. 
Um, You're like, the war was over. <laughs> yeah, the war was over. It was the best of times. It was, it was the, the worst, worst of times. times. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Uh, uh, I um, I hosted my first comedy club. I mean, first comedy show. Whoa. Yeah. 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 Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, when... when uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, please tip your waitress on the way out. They work really hard, and you people are assholes. So, uh, please tip your waitress. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, 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 uh, I'm, How come I'm, this is the first I'm hearing about it? Well, uh, How come we get invited? Uh, yeah. Well, just because we never come all the other times you invite us. <laughs> Maybe this would have been the one time we would have came. Well, if you were hosting. Yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 was, uh, it was a last-minute thing. Um, I... Ah. Um, I, I, I on Friday nights I do a I do a comedy workshop where it's me and maybe uh, three or four other comedians we get together and uh, we try out new material and then we critique each other and uh, you know we help we help each other develop uh, develop our new bits and uh, so I, I met this guy uh, 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 um, whose name escapes Anthony Tony uh, Tony Tony Ming and uh, he uh, for the past couple of years he's he has he gets a group of comedians together they go to different uh, uh colleges and do uh comedy shows mm. so uh normally it's the responsibility of the college to provide a host for uh for the show well at uh, at CSUN, they uh they called him and uh on thursday the show was on friday <laughs> and said uh uh you know we don't have a host for the show so uh you're going to have to take care of that Wow. And so he calls me up and, uh, uh, last, you know, says, uh, I know this is last minute and, uh, we won't pay you, but, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but, uh, it's going to be inconvenient <laughs> and for you. It was an honor just being nominated. <laughs> <laughs> it was an honor just being an afterthought. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, but, uh, would you host the show? And, uh, I, I said, yeah. And uh, so I, I I I went up there and, and um, I wrote material um, the, that day, mm-hmm. um, the related material, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, and, and then I interspersed that with some of my own material. And uh, man, it was great because uh, these were freshmen. Uh, most of them, most of them were freshmen. There were a few administrators, uh, a few uh, adults in the audience, but mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, they're eighteen-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they laughed at my stuff for the most part. <laughs> and, and yeah, I was, I was concerned cause I'm like, Oh God, you know, I, I know my references, uh, don't always go over well. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, uh, I, I got up there, man, and performed and, uh, they, they loved me and they loved the, more importantly, they loved the five other comedians that came up. Cool. And, uh, I don't know a lot of people uh, when when people host comedy shows, they usually it starts off they have like uh, eight to ten minutes where they do their bit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> they introduce each new comedian. And in between the introduction, they may do thirty uh, uh, thirty seconds uh, based on what the previous comedian talked about mm-hmm. or something else, and then uh, move the show along. Uh, they got to keep everyone hyped uh, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man, it was uh, it was it was far fucking out. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I uh, you, you know how I am, man. I I, I just uh, when when I was, I thought about inviting people, I thought about putting it on Facebook, 
because it, it was free. <laughs> but I, I just I just got too nervous. I was I was like, uh, what if I you know what if I bomb in front of these kids? Aww. So uh, yeah, but it, it went really well. Good for you. Yeah, for sure. Yay, Charlie Bell. What's been up with you, baby girl? Not too, too much. I went to um, a party last night, a social event. Oh. And this is a thing we should maybe talk about another time. But I feel like, so there was a kind of a, the party was nice and it was all chill for pretty much the whole party. And then at the very end. Was it a party or was it a pre-party? <laughs> it was a party party. Okay. It was a get down. Okay. It was, it a, was get a get down. down. It was a backyard buggy. All right. Okay. <laughs> and, um. It was all cool, and then towards the end, there was a younger gent, about 20 years old, um, troubled, maybe um, intoxicated, Mm. and um, he just started causing some trouble, and it Mm. got real tense, like one Mm. of those um, situations where... It felt like it could go really wrong, really mm. fast, you know. Right. Started causing trouble in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the unfresh prince. <laughs> um, <laughs> the less than fresh prince. <laughs> the, the, the stale prince. <laughs> so anyway, someone get me some Febreze. <laughs> right. So. <clears throat> so the um, the people who ended up kind of taking it upon themselves to de-escalate the situation were a couple of his peers, a young woman and a young man. And which I, that was kind of nerve wracking for me because that they're vulnerable as well, you know, in one of those, when those situations mm-hmm. get escalated, especially if somebody calls the cops or mm-hmm. if there's a gun involved or, you know, if there's gang assumed gang affiliations mm-hmm. or real gay, whatever. And so, and I just saw a group of, Black men just stand by and just totally do nothing. And the only reason it struck me to say anything on the show is because this is maybe, this is like a third or fourth time I've witnessed that. And so it's something I I don't, it just kind of troubled me a little. Like, I don't know if, I don't know. So not only are black men responsible for all the ills of the earth, we're also responsible we're also supposed to be responsible for um, coming to everyone's aid, aid at all times and putting to end to any kind of riffraff, no. no matter where it may be. No, that's not that's what, what that's what I get a lot. I mean, I hear on the on on social media, oh, right. this this incident on the train or on the bus, and nobody did anything, and it was some black guy standing right there, and nobody, not one of them, did anything, and. The guy had a knife and da da da. No, no, no. In this particular case, okay. look, I, I, look, I hear you, and I didn't want to bring it up because I do see a lot of bashing of black males in the in the media, especially black fathers. So I'm not trying to be on that bandwagon. But in this case, I do think that look, this person was a youth, right? The right. The, the the female elders stepped up. You know, we were involved. Well, yeah, because and well, hold on, let me finish. And, you know, I think that um, as somebody, it wasn't like he was a total stranger. I mean, he was affiliated with the party goers. He wasn't just some Negro walking the street randomly. You know, these, these so were he people. Was, he was known by the. Yes, you know. everyone knew who the kid was. And, you know, mm-hmm. he'd been raised in the neighborhood. And I just felt like that to me, it's not so much. I'm not trying to bash black men. I think it's more about kind of 
black community and elders kind of taking this initiative to kind of um, guide and work with young people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get it. The stakes are different. Mm-hmm. You know, these days you, you never know. But again, this wasn't some random kid. If it was some random kid, I would have thought for no one to get involved. But the fact that we knew him, the fact that we knew his background, the fact that these grown men sat there and watched like these, you know, their peers, black women kind of insert themselves into the situation without, I don't know. I just, it's kind of a, um, Oh God, was a, a, a Kitty Genovese type thing. You felt like people saw something was wrong and they chose not to chose not to get involved. Well, I don't know that reference, but, um, Oh, Kitty, oh, Kitty Genovese. That's, uh, it's, it's uh, uh, in in New York. In, yeah, in, in the, in she the obviously did not go to Northridge. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> uh, basically, uh, a bunch of people uh, heard screams by uh, 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 this woman named Kitty Genovese, mm-hmm. and she was uh, stabbed and beaten to death. And no one did nothing. No one did anything. Mm-hmm. They basically stood by. It's like it's like. Right. When people talk about bystanders letting stuff happen, they usually cite the G- Kitty Genovese case. I don't know. I mean, that's not exactly where I'm coming mm-hmm. from with it. I think that um, that's kind of a random stranger, and mm-hmm. there is more kind mm-hmm. of. Oh, she she was known in, in, oh, in that was. apartment building. But but my my point basically was that people stood stood by right. and did nothing while something was going on. I- I think my point is more so I think that the black community, the connections within the black community is changing and not necessarily for the better. I feel like when I was a kid Mm -hmm. and, you know, things would, I mean, we lived in a big apartment building, Mm -hmm. you know, and if things would go on, then somebody's, whoever elder, whether it was male or female, would come out and say something, you know, come back and talk to your parent. You Mm -hmm. know, they wouldn't necessarily whoop you, um, but would get involved. Hey, hey, little Johnny, I know your mama, so you you calm down. Right, right, right. And so, um, and I feel that black women are still taking on that role, but it's just at the last few events that something like this has happened, it just seemed like black men weren't taking that role. And another, the other instance where it happened um, was... Uh, I don't even know how you should bring this up, but well, I brought it up now. <laughs> so basically this guy was, which I later found out he had a history of domestic abuse mm-hmm. and, you know, court ordered anger management and the whole nine. And he was extremely intoxicated at this party. And, um, he started calling me all kinds of bitches and I tried to walk away from the situation and deescalate and, you know, but something told me that, and I don't, it's like, that's this weird, this little voice, is in your head to protect you, right? And I so at least told it wasn't until I started taking the medication, right? <laughs> um, well, this medication—I mean, this voice—I don't want to go with. But the voice told me, "Get your pepper spray out," and I mm-hmm. did. And this guy—I've never been attacked by a, a male in my mm-hmm. life. This guy, freaking, as I'm walking away, I was mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. 20 yards away from him, he mm. like r- runs up and like turns me around and starts choking me out. Oh my God. And I freaking, luckily I had my pepper spray in my right, hand and yeah. fucked him up. But the guys at the party literally just sat around and said nothing and di- they didn't even say, Hey man, don't do that. Nothing. They just stood there silent and the women jumped in. And in fact, um, my friend's sister got the bulk of the pepper spray because she, you know, her little wow. petite, this guy was six foot four. 285, you know, he was like an ex-football player. Mm. And the guys just literally sat there 
So I don't know. To me, it's not so much about expecting black men to be the superheroes of every Mm -hmm. situation. And I do feel that black men get unfairly blamed for a lot of things from crime to, to not being good fathers to this, that, and the other. But I have witnessed this. And I just wanted to bring it up for us to talk about and at some point or have our listeners kind of give some feedback on. Well, you know, God, I mean, you're getting attacked. I mean, somebody should help. I mean, that's 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 just that's just human decency. It's it's got nothing to do with with black or or whatever color. I mean, it, it's you know, you you see someone getting choked. I mean, I mean, you, you don't even have to fight the guy. You just pull him off. Right. That's you what, know that that's uh you know that's that yeah that that uh I'm, I'm yeah that I find that appalling. I mean, it wouldn't matter who. I mean, that's a case where people have to get involved. They have to, you know, you have to protect it. We have to police ourselves. You know, you know, people, you know, they get upset about, you know, the reactions of of the police. But if you're not going to do anything to protect your own, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you're going to you're going to have to rely on on some people that may not be as sympathetic to the person you're trying to calm down. Exactly. Exactly. And I didn't call the police. I walked away and mm-hmm. let. But then, like I said, I found out after the fact this guy had a history of doing this, and mm-hmm. nobody, there was no accountability. So I don't were know. they afraid of him? I don't think they were afraid of them. Mm-hmm. I think that. See, I don't even want to say now. I'm getting into controversial okay. things. I think potentially, I don't know. I think this particular, they some. I think some guys just get away with low standards, and for some reason, some peers just let dudes get away with whatever you know i don't think that i can't see the two of you having a homeboy that's known for just beating on women and just not saying anything at a party if well you... i couldn't see myself having a homeboy that that beats on women that's what i'm saying i mean i couldn't see myself being at a party <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that's the first thing i mean i wouldn't really you know, right? You would shun that person more or less. Well, yeah, but I don't know. I think I think it, you know, be the bad guy as usual. Uh, I don't know. I just think there's it. It it's coming, you know, coming from you and and hearing your side of it. Of course, it sounds like oh yeah, I jumped right in. But you know, if I were there and it weren't you, I don't know that I would. I mean, I I would need more. I don't. I don't know. I, I would have to know if that's his woman, whatever. I mean, I think we've all heard the stories of of the guy who tries to help the woman, and then the woman teams up with the guy to beat the guy who who steps in to help her up, and you know stuff like that. I mean, I don't think that's like an urban legend. I think we've all heard those 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 stories, and and those type things happen. Seen well, it happen again. The, there you go. The people exactly. at the party weren't they. They weren't they strangers. Weren't they yeah. knew the situation. And again, I'm not even saying that it was on them to jump in and be Superman, but they didn't even say anything. They stood there in complete silence, not even not even words like, hey, man, don't do that. Nothing. So to me, it just speaks. I don't know. Well, you know, uh, I, I mean, think it speaks to people not wanting to get involved. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what and, I was uh, going to say. Like, a lot of people, and there's you know, there's good reasons for that. I mean, I don't, you know, that's that, I, that's why <laughs> that's why I cited the Genovese uh, yeah. uh, situation because it it goes to even if a person, even if they know someone is being beaten to death, uh, I, I forget what they call that. Uh, there's some sort of syndrome 
where people don't give a fuck itis well well not that but <laughs> like okay if i step in and then you know my fingerprints end up at the scene and you know does it look like i you know all of a sudden, am I the one? Am I a suspect now? You know what I'm saying? I no, mean, I get it. I'm sympathetic to all of that. I'm, I mean, I, th- I that shit like- happens. It's not black and white. It's not just because you want to be a good guy and be a hero that is going to turn out that way. It That's doesn't true. mean that. You get caught up in shit. That's true. You but know? The, the two instances that I cited were long-term family networks of people who grew up and knew each other for decades upon decades. It wasn't random people on the street, you know, people unknown to each other. So to me, that's, to me, it speaks more to, I mean, well, that sounds like that's why those people were fucked up to begin with. Well, (laughs) I mean, now we're on the same page. page. That's that's a a different situation. You're talking about a family network and then they, they didn't raise the motherfucker right to begin with. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, w- I would just say that, you know, you know, despite everything, uh, I, I think the right thing to do is to intervene, you know, in, in, in situations like that. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I, I've, I've done so when uh, I chased a guy down mm-hmm. who had snatched somebody's purse. Oh, damn. Yeah. And I, I was I think 14 or 15 at the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was scared. <laughs> Because yeah. I, I didn't know, I didn't know what the guy. That's a scary situation. Yeah. Um, but I mean, most, I mean, it was me and another guy who chased him down. Everybody else just stayed where they were. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, you know, and and I'm not going to say that I'm, you know, that I would do the right thing in every situation because mm-hmm. you know there's there is something some kind of, uh, and I can't really, it, it, it's can't instinct. really think of it, but that, but there is a there is a fear that you know it's like you know. Basically, I want to I want to protect myself. Of course, and you know a lot of people can't overcome that fear. You yeah. know, so I, you know that's my two cents. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, there's been times when I've intervened in situations, and there's been times when I I haven't. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not you a know? it's not and a blanket black just, and white rule like you said. It's, but I'm sure that when the person who went and was telling the story it was like, "There's this big old guy who was just sitting," there, you know. <laughs> oh well, you know. I mean, there's. The, the, you know, yeah. there's been times when I did not, you know, I like it's not my fucking business. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I was, you know, I mean, I didn't actually see anybody being like killed or 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 even beaten or even, you know, mm-hmm. uh, nothing that extreme. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm sure there's times when there's been people who wish I would have stepped in for them or whatever. Mm-hmm. The, and I didn't. I won't lie and say that I always no. Nah, I mean, but. I mean, then there's been times when I have, you know. Right. Um, well, but, I, I didn't bring it up to bash uh, black men at all, but I brought it up because I think that there is a conversation to be had about masculinity and manhood within our community and our culture and like how it's changed. You know, I I would I would say it's even broader than just you know you know black men. I think I think men in general have uh, are, are you know the the so called real man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who's you know going to step in and protect his women or, mm-hmm. or whatever? You know, I, I think that's. Uh, I think as we've become a more, you know, I hate to say this, more of a feminized culture. That you know, we we kind of, you know, we're sometimes we're afraid to act mm-hmm. because we don't know what the consequences of our actions, you know, will will be, or we've been or we've been taught, and then too, and we've been. I, I, sometimes I don't think we know what the the right thing to do right is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm I mean, there's, there's so much like 
there's so many mixed messages. There's so much, mm-hmm. you know, you know, don't be aggressive. Don't be, you know, don't be macho. Don't be, ah, don't use the testosterone mm-hmm. except for when I need you to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And no, it's I like, totally know what you mean. And it's like, we don't have a switch that right. we can just flip on and on right. at the whim of, of, of you women yeah. or whoever else who needs it for right. us, you know, like, okay, right. you know, be, be, be gentle and calm and this and that, whatever, except for when we need you to. And then, you know, some random stranger needs you, then, you know, flip on that switch and, and right. be big, bad back man. No, I mean, again, I wasn't saying like, what the fuck that's, that wasn't the, I that know that's not what you're trying right. to say, right. but that's, that's, that's the feeling that we're right. getting when we're getting all these different messages right. from society but, all the time. Right. But I, I totally, I totally hear you in the sense that absolutely gender roles are changing and that, you know, is something. And that's why I said, I do think it's something we have to have a conversation about because j- there's gender roles that are changing and evolving and that's just the way it is. But then there's also just a certain amount of leadership that I think that we as elders, you know, male or female should have in our communities. And I think that that's kind of more what I'm talking about, kind of like what's an appropriate level of leadership. And it's mm-hmm. not about being a big buff black man and mm-hmm. using brute force in every situation. Cause mm-hmm. you're right. That's not necessarily like, for example, if some of these, Elder gentlemen that I'm talking about, if they had decided to get macho mm-hmm. and go down there and, you know, could've that, that could have made things worse. Right. right? So we're not even talking about that type of response. Um, well, it, maybe you're not talking about that type of response, but the realization of it is if a man intervenes, he has to be prepared for it to go to that next level. And that's yeah. the very real possibility. Absolutely. That's true. And so, I, don't, I mean, I, I you, don't, can't, you can't go over there and expect to have a conversation with the dude and everything just what and not realize that there's a total possibility that shit's going to j- go up a notch. Absolutely. And that's that why it's just sa- not, not in the realm of possibility. Right. And that's why I said that, you know, especially I'm not, being a guy, by no, by, no, no, you're fine. By no, by no means am I discounting the fact that whenever you interject yourself into a situation, the shit could go wrong by no means. Am I discounting, you know, the law of self-preservation and, you know, using your instinct to kind of judge the danger level. And I'm not saying to put yourself in dangerous situations. I'm just saying, I personally feel that there's a lack of, to me, what I witnessed was a lack of leadership and just kind of feeling, um, responsible for kind of the youth in our community. And to me, that's what I saw. And so to me, like, but it all, I think, like I said, that's why I think we need to have a discussion about it, a dialogue about it. Cause I think the gender roles are changing and the norms aren't known, you know, all the time. So that's but, why I think it's about dialogue. But uh, other than that, how was the party? It was bomb. There was, <laughs> we had rib tips. We had maker's mark. It was, did you bring us a plate? What's, what's, what's maker's mark? What's that? It's good bourbon. Ah, uh, okay. it's a good cocktail. Yeah, hey, yeah. It was a good party, and that's why it was so shocking that it ended like that. You mm. know, because it was like a, a. It was apparently it was too good, too good, too much good bourbon for him. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Okay. Well, with that, I think it's about time that we uh, bring in our special guest. Let's get it up for Jeanette Jordan. Hello, hello. All right. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Really, really appreciate it. So, um, 
I don't know where do we, where do we begin? Um, I guess we well we know we know Jeanette through Damon. Damon, she's a friend of Damon's. Mm-hmm. He's uh, unlike unlike uh, Charlie Bell, he he keeps his good looking friends. Uh, he hides them. <laughs> Charlie Bell brings hers around all the time. I've been friends with this nigga thirty years. I ain't never heard of this woman before. Sitting over here all fine and stuff. I'm like, where the hell she been? <laughs> I am with beautiful name. I never Jeanette George. Sound like a, uh, a comic book character. <laughs> I'm like, or a soap opera heroine. You know what I'm saying? I ain't like heard of here. her. I ain't seen nothing. I'm like, man, what's really going on? Well, if you if you had come to my last show, you might have seen. <laughs> well, if I'd been invited, I might have come. <laughs> oh, you gonna bring that shit up again? Why are you bringing up all shit? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Jeanette has um, been so gracious as to come here and to educate us um, on sickle cell anemia. Now, let me ask you, let me, this is where I can start. Is there a difference between sickle cell and sickle cell anemia? Are there two different things, or is that just the, the full version and the short version as far as the name of it? That's a really good question. Uh, sickle, cell, sickle cell anemia is kind of you could say in the sickle cell disease family. Okay. So it's a, it's a form um, of the illness underneath the umbrella, if you will, okay. in layman's terms, that's probably the easiest way to explain it. So I actually, um, I will definitely do my best to educate you all um, as well as possible from a person who lives with the illness uh, and try to make it as plain as possible for people because Even so many black people don't know what sickle cell is and don't understand how much of our community is affected by the disease. So I think uh, when you kind of break it down just, you know, clearly, then it's, you know, it's helpful to know and what we can do and how we can help one another. All right. So uh, I have sickle cell anemia. I have a form that's uh, SC. There are a few different forms. There's SS which is, uh, if you can believe it, much worse than what I experienced with SC. That's the Gestapo version. Yes, right? that's right. That is uh, yeah. the Nazi. Yeah, the Nazi. <laughs> Hitler. It, it, only, it only works on the Schwarzers. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm quite thankful, actually, oddly enough, to, have, to only have SC, if you will. Wow. Uh, so, basically, what, what sickle cell is, it's a, it's a hereditary blood disease. And so... None of you, I take it, have the disease or the trait, correct? Not don't, that I'm aware of. Don't know about the trait. Okay, yeah, don't know but about you don't the have trait, the disease, right? The disease, okay. Right well, it so, doesn't run in the family, so. Gotcha. Yeah. So all of you, like, we all have red blood cells, and yours are shaped like donuts, if you will, without the circles in the middle. And those red blood cells um, contain hemoglobin, and that hemoglobin carries oxygen throughout your body and to your organs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So people with sickle cell, we have some of those, but we also have uh, red blood cells that are shaped like sickles cells. or crescents, if right. you will. Mm-hmm. And so they have a very short shelf life, which means that we aren't getting the oxygen flowing through our bodies and to our organs um, the way that we need to be able to function at max capacity. Right. And uh, also because they are hard and sticky, they stick together when flowing through um, blood vessels, mm-hmm. and that's when 
we call, have what is called a sickle cell crisis. Mm -hmm. okay. And so it's just really severe pain in your joints or limbs. And all sickle cell patients have pain in different areas. So um, eventually what happens is from lack of oxygen reaching your vital organs and, uh, and those blood vessels and, and the cells getting stuck together is that you can suffer from infection, uh, leg and foot swelling, um, stroke, hip issues. A lot of sickle cell patients uh, need to have their hips replaced. Wow. You have issues with your eyesight. Uh, sickle cell patients also can suffer from loss of eyesight. I mean, the list really just goes on and on. It's such a deadly and painful disease. It really is. Wow. Now, um, from from what I, I I've well, from what I understand is uh, sickle cell uh, trait kind of evolved uh, as a means of the body to fight against malaria. You know, I don't know for sure if it was the trait or if it's the actual disease. Mm -hmm. I know there is accuracy somewhere in there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, what are the effective treatments um, right now, and what are what are what are we um, shooting for as far as ways to treat this disease and eradicate it? That's a good question. Um, there have actually been a lot of medical advances in ways to, um, well, certainly there is no cure. Let me be clear about that. Right. But as far as making life uh, longer for people with sickle cell and more comfortable, there have been a lot of advances in that way. I mean, years ago, I believe it was in the 70s, the 60s or the 70s, people with sickle cell weren't even living past their teenage years. Right. So, uh, you know, I know when I was in high school, the average life expectancy for women with sickle cell was 40. Mm -hmm. Now it's about 42. So, I mean, it doesn't sound like much, but it really is, you know. Right. Um, but, you know, they're doing a lot of work with um, stem cell uh, research and things that they're trying with newborns to try to eradicate the disease at an earlier stage. Mm -hmm. But for people like me who have had it, you know, since we were born and, you know, you're older, um, just different treatments uh, for pain and things like that um, to try to make your life less painful and a little bit more comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there are, there's research being done about different, um, uh, different, uh, antibiotics and medications that are testing in some sickle cell patients during research that um, are showing lack of signs of the illness. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're trying to make advances uh, and people are putting a lot of their heart and soul into sickle cell research, but obviously it takes money mm -hmm. <laughs> for the research. <laughs> and unfortunately for us, sickle cell, you know, we're, we're not the cancer of, of illnesses. Mm -hmm. And I don't say that in a negative way. I just mm -hmm. say it because that's a reality. Sickle cell is not a glamorous disease. Mm -hmm. It's not a disease that is supported by a lot of people in Hollywood. It's not sexy like it's, breast oh, it, cancer. It, it is definitely <laughs> It is definitely not sexy. You are not going to have me laughing at that. But, it, <laughs> but it is definitely She's not smiling, sexy. though, y'all. She's smiling. She wanted to laugh. She was holding it. I'm back. always smiling. And let's keep it real. It's not a disease that white people get. Yeah. It's not. Uh, and well, well, they they do just not. Not as very right, very right. rarely. Well, right. you know, just to kind of lay it out for you factually, one in four hundred 
African-Americans are born with sickle cell disease. Wow. One, one in 400. 400. That's wow. amazing. That's like that this neighborhood that we're in right now. Right. There There's are several, several people. people that have sickle cell. I For mean, sure. okay. And then I believe it's one in 5,000 Hispanic Americans mm-hmm. are born with sickle cell. And then there's a, a, a smaller percentage of Middle Eastern, uh, people of Middle Eastern descent who are born with sickle cell as well. Mm-hmm. But obviously it mostly affects us. And, uh, you know, we are just not sexy to support in that way. <laughs> we are not. Are you sexy? <laughs> but sickle cell is but y'all. sickle cell is not i do kind of have my little sexy my sexy voice going on today yeah <laughs> it must be a um because uh, t-boz got that well it's like a sickle cell thing oh no <laughs> <laughs> well t-boz t-boz has it naturally i just am recovering from laryngitis oh, okay. <laughs> but you know there are some people i will give it up to some people um and, and, you know, it takes really, it does take famous people in this day and age to help bring awareness right. to the masses mm-hmm. about different illnesses. Mm-hmm. That's why we're lending our fame to the <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Doing Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, T-Boz is one of those people. She's an ambassador for Sickle Cell. Prodigy from uh, uh, Mob Deep. Yes. Right. Uh, Lorenz Tate. Lorenz Tate, right. Yeah. And Chandrella Avery. She is a, is. she's an actress. And she is a huge sickle cell advocate. And, um, but is I, she hot? She is gorgeous. Really? Oh, yes. I'll find out who she is. Chandrella Avery is very beautiful. Wow. And, um, I know we're going to talk about it in a little bit, the event that I have coming up next weekend, but she will be at the event Whoa. supporting. Uh, you might as well mention the event. No, I was going to say, yeah, go yeah. ahead and, uh, go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, plug, plug your <laughs> event, plug anything that you, uh, yeah, anything that you need to plug, any um, websites or sure. or email, anything. Okay. Well, um, the event is called Cocktails for a Cause with Roland Martin. I think uh, we all Charlie know. Charlie Bell's in. Cocktails. <laughs> you said the magic <laughs> word. <laughs> Cocktails. <laughs> she, she's, she's in. You know, I figured, listen, people are going to get together on a Saturday night anyway to have cocktails. They might as well come out and do it for a cause that's That's worthy. So Cocktails for a Cause with Roland Martin is going to be next Saturday, September 13th. Roland Martin from Laughing? No, Roland. (laughs) Oh, Roland. Roland Martin. Okay. The, uh, the journalist. No, I wasn't trying to be funny. I was being serious right there. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's my voice. I thought, if anything I thought, gets lost if in Rowan the If Rowan and Martin make it, it'll have to be a seance. <laughs> oh, they're dead? Seance yeah. for sickle oh, okay. cell. I just, I just know the name. <laughs> I don't really know who they are. And, I, and, and you just got to saying, you know, get celebrities attached. I'm like, <laughs> wow. Sorry about that. I, I guess that Speaking the, the, of ghosts. I guess, yeah, the ghosts of Rowan and Martin. <laughs> no, uh, Roland Martin is the host of TV One's News One Now. Oh, okay. He's a former CNN correspondent. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's a really fabulous journalist. And he has his and own. And he's alive. Show. And he is very, <laughs> yeah. very much alive. Let me and tell you. he wears you. fancy cravats sometimes. He does, yes. Roland's known okay. for his, you know, his fabulous mm-hmm. ascots. If you, <laughs> if you do not. No, no, really is. No, he is. He really is. No, no, the way he said it is fabulous ass got. <laughs> I have so to like, enunciate yeah. with my voice sounding like And I'm like 12 years old. Like so ass shot. <laughs> He's an <Yeah>. ass shot. <laughs> okay, Beavis. Yes, I work with Beavis and Butter. We're cool. So, um, 
So uh, Roland was kind enough to work with me and lend his name to this event cool. to, to get people involved. And like I said, Chandrella is going to be there as well. Lenny Williams will be there. All right. Uh, and so, you know, it's just, we're just going to come out, have a nice time, you know, enjoying and, some cocktails, and, mingling. And, and where is this going to be? It's yeah. going to be in Northern California. That's where I'm from. So, uh, out. <laughs> listen, family. I have family up there. listen, you know, there are several people who are flying from Los Angeles to Northern California at this event. So wow. feel free. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a really fantastic evening for a really great cause. Um, so if someone can't fly, but they want to donate. Yes. How good they... question. Mm -hmm. You yeah. may donate and or purchase tickets on the same exact website. Uh, and first, let me also mention that the proceeds are going to the Sickle Cell Foundation of California. They're actually based here in Los Angeles. So um, they've been a really great partner with me on this event. And we want to make sure that we raise as much money as possible. I've set a goal for $25,000 for this event. And we are not there yet. We are not there. So we definitely need every donation, every penny counts. People may register, excuse me, may uh, purchase tickets or make donations at regonline.com slash sickle cell gala 2014. That's R-E-G online.com slash sickle cell gala 2014. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you. organizing that fabulous event. Well, I'm actually an event planner, oh. so <laughs> the event planning part has not been the difficult part. The fundraising part has been the hard part. Right. <laughs> yeah. yes. And this, this is a woman who uh, she organizes uh, weddings, uh, <coughs> uh, reunions, uh, um, corporate events, corporate events, uh, J squared. Productions is uh, J Squared Events. J, I'm sorry, J, That's okay. J, J Square Events, uh, and and she's uh, she's really uh, quite good. Her her work has been uh, in People Magazine. She uh, she uh, she did the wedding for Antonio Sabato Jr. Nice. Oh, wow, she, fancy. Her her, uh, mm -hmm. her her so her event got a uh, national uh, national recognition. Cool. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not one to drop names, but uh, she could if she wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> so so get on that line because you know it's going to be a classy get down. Yes, it's going to be a classy affair, y'all. It's going to be uh, at a place called the Black Hawk Country Club, and Black Hawk is very fancy. It's mm. like uh, Beverly Hills or Bel Air, but in the in Northern California. Oh, okay. E40 lives in Black Hawk. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've been blowing up his Twitter trying to get him to be my guest. <laughs> I know that hasn't great. happened yet. All he has to do is drive down the hill five minutes. He could come. <laughs> so if you guys, uh, I met him once. He's a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, E40, and <laughs> this is just a slight tangent. I have, <laughs> I have my older sister. Um, she passed away in 08 from complications from sickle cell. Oh. And so, um, you know, I always have been a big advocate for the illness, but after she lost her life at 42, I knew that it was important for me to push forward and try to do what I can so that other families didn't have to experience what my family ha has had to. And likely, what will have my parents will have to face with me as well, my illness as it progresses. Um, so that's why this is just so near and dear to my heart. But my sister used to work at Kaiser Hospital. Andy Forty and his family would come in all the time, so she would like let him come to the front of the line and she was <laughs> 
My sister, if you knew her, she was always very familiar with people. She met you one time. She's like, I'm friends with E40. That's just how she <laughs> so she would. She wasn't afraid to drop names. No, no, not at all. If my sister were here, she'd name every person for whom I've done an event. She would. She's like that. And so she would see him when she would come in. Oh, hey, E, come on up to the front of the line. You know, they're old friends. And so, um, and so when she passed away, he gave a really nice shout out to my sister on Twitter. And I know my sister, it would have been like the biggest thing in the world for her. So, yes. So I've been now trying to blow him up on Twitter again to get him to attend the event next weekend. So hit E40 up. Tell him to attend in his own backyard. Oh, E40. Twitter blast. Twitter blast him. That's right. Now, uh, now. Uh, so, so uh, sickle cell is hereditary. That's correct. Um, it's now just like uh, every everyone <laughs> now people carry some people carry the trait and some people carry the disease. So um, you know, both of my parents have the trait. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I got the disease. My sister as well. Mm-hmm. My brother, the lucky bum, <laughs> it skipped over him, so he didn't get it. Now, is he a carrier or is he no? He also okay. Nothing. So. Wow. Nothing at all. Wow. Of course. Wow. <laughs> now, now, it, I uh, is because it's genetic. Um, are they like uh, if if someone is is if both parents have the trait mm-hmm. uh, in prenatal care? Do they do they try and attack the disease genetically, or uh, you know at, at the chromosome level, or do they? Uh, is that? Is, is, I guess I'm trying. What I'm trying to say is. Are there any effective gene therapies for Thank you. Uh, sickle cell trait or disease? Um, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. To my knowledge, to my knowledge, <laughs> that doesn't mean that that's everything. But to my knowledge, um, they've not been able to do any sort of treatment until birth. Uh, I do know that they're able to do testing. Um, to find out if the child is going to have sickle cell. Uh, but I don't know if we, if, if, uh, doctors have been able to take it any further than that okay. at this point. Right. Do, uh, now do doctors just randomly test for a sickle cell trait among African Americans or do they just, or do, does the family have to have a history of the disease before they will test for it? Do they randomly tr- test just to know whether or not you have the trait? Mm-hmm. I don't believe so. I believe they you don't have do that to with actually. Anything. I, yeah. They don't. They Except don't do for that cholesterol. With <laughs> they don't. I they believe really don't. you have to actually get yourself uh, tested to see if you have the trait. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Did your parents know that they had the trait when they? My parents didn't know when they had my sister. Mm-hmm. They found out, of course, afterward when um, you know she was diagnosed, and so um, so that's what prompted it. Uh, they worked with doctors because just because both. Uh, parents have the trait doesn't guarantee that the child will have the disease. So there's, you know, there was a, uh, I guess in the grand scheme of things, a fairly small percentage Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they would have another child with sickle cell. Mm -hmm. And so they had my brother and he didn't have it. Mm -hmm. And so they tried again and, you know, I was the, the gamblers, your parents, <laughs> my mama, well, either way, they came out with a winner on you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, yes. So, you know, um, there was no guarantee, but you can, uh, but they do testing now 
for the disease, that's a that's just a guarantee. That's that's a given. You do that. Mm -hmm. But the actual trait, no, you'll need to find that out. Mm -hmm. And it really is important. There are so many people still who are procreating mm -hmm. and they have not found out whether or not they have the sickle cell trait. Right. And they're having children with the disease. They have no idea mm -hmm. that they even could have uh, birthed a child mm -hmm. with the illness. So it's very important to find out. You really need to find out before you uh, have a child that could potentially have sickle cell because there is so much involved in it. Mm -hmm. And really, um, I recently talked to a friend whose niece has sickle cell and they are still learning about it, the mm. family. And so she said, may I ask you questions? I said, you ask whatever you like. And they're trying to understand how to communicate with her mm. in a way that she can express what she's feeling. How old is she? I think she's about five oh. or six. And so she's, she doesn't know how to tell them that she's feeling pain right. until she's at a 10. Right. And, you know, even for me, when I'm at a 10, I'm going straight to the hospital right. to get, you know, treatment and, you know, beyond what I can do for myself at home. Right, right. And so, uh, you really need to learn all that's involved before it happens so mm. that you're prepared for the mental and physical Absolutely. things that someone with sickle cell goes through. Absolutely. Well, first of all, um, Everybody go use your Obamacare and get that testing if you are thinking about having a use child. Something. Absolutely. Absolutely use it. Um, at, second of all, a, a close girlfriend of mine has sickle cell mm. and she's gone through a lot of the struggles that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I'm somewhat familiar. Um, and she, the thing that's been helpful to her is that she has um, gone on a pretty strict dietary regimen. Have you made, any, have you heard about any of this or have you made any dietary changes that have helped? You know, uh, in general, I have a fairly good diet. I don't know. Um, I think that just, I think it's been shown that if you eat clean foods and take care of yourself properly in that way, that that can't do anything but help you health-wise anyway, no matter if you have sickle cell or, or if you don't. Right. Um, so I definitely think it doesn't help right. that my diet's typically good. I mean, I, you know, I'm human. I mean, I definitely will indulge every now and again. And, you know, I like a, li a libation or two uh, every now and again, which probably isn't great for somebody with sickle cell. But, you know, I have to live my life. You got to enjoy your life. I have to enjoy my life. Prodigy said that when he would clean up and, you know, stop drinking and smoking and, and would eat better, it was a much, it was much more manageable. Mm -hmm. he, his life was a lot, lot better. His sickle cell was much better yeah. than when he was just off the rails, you know, just, you know, drinking and yeah. smoking and eating whatever. Yeah. It was much better. I'm sure. Right. I mean, I, um, you know, I exercise a lot and even, you know, sometimes doctors, if I have to go into a foreign emergency room for treatment and they'll say, are you sure you have sickle cell? Because with just the pain that we feel in our joints and so forth, um, the amount of exercise that I do, a lot of doctors would say not to do that, mm -hmm. but I actually feel that it helps. I'm sure. I really do. I feel so much better when I'm kind of in the groove of running or even walking mm -hmm. or, you know, when I'm in the gym doing things or taking a class or something. I think it's important to get out mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, get be in, be in motion when you have sickle cell. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like, I don't know if any of you are ever athletes. 
But, you know, if you, um, you know, if you have an injury, mm-hmm. maybe like if you have a sprained ankle or, or you just twist it or something you, mm-hmm. and you just kind of do nothing mm-hmm. and then it just gets worse and it swells yeah. and it, you know, but if you kind of get up and move around on it, you're like, you know, it's really not that bad. I yeah. kind of walked it off. I can go back into the game. Yeah. It's kind of that way. And when you're yeah. just kind of sitting and not doing anything, I feel that's not helpful for your mm-hmm. For, at least for me, I can't speak yeah. for other people with sickle cell. And as I said, I'm certainly not a doctor. We all have different levels of pain. But for me, certainly the diet and exercise is a huge help. It's awesome. I, it, seems, it seems odd to me that in this day and age that we can't just go and like run a test and then just come back with everything that you either have or could be a carrier for or whatever. It seems to me that in this day and age, why do you have to go and, 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 and they have to know what you're looking for in, or in order to test for, it? you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. seems like they should be able to just do one test, you know, or one or two tests and find out everything, just everything, just, just know, okay, well, you, you know, you, you have this, you have that, or mm-hmm. you could be a carrier of this, or you could yeah. have that, or, you know, well, whatever. Well, that's why I dropped out of medical school because I was just so frustrated. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like, really? We haven't even gotten that far that we can well, just take a you know a test and find out. We have to suspect or have yeah. a history of it, and then go in and just you know. Well, actually, it's funny that you said that because I was listening to um, I listened to a lot of podcasts and some about science, some entertainment, some different ones, but, um, they're mostly the shiznit, mostly the shiznit. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but this one particular podcast was this, um, guy who works in the MIT, um, I forget, media lab. And he was, he's also on the board of the MacArthur foundation. And so he actually was saying we are pretty much close to that, that they can, but, but there's also a lot of downsides to that because, um, you know, there's a lot of ethical questions about, Telling people about diseases that they can't treat or oh, yeah. your employers or other people finding out information and discriminating against you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's that complicated. Um, Everything is it, that it's, complicated. No, it's not, it's none of your employer's fucking business. Right. That's, is that simple? It's nobody's fucking business except the patient. So yeah, disclose right. to the patient, you know, um, the, the, you know, what, what you discover and, uh, Case mm-hmm. closed. It is, it is. It's that simple. It really is. Well, they've got thousands of bioethicists working on so, it who, who disagree. Yeah. <laughs> That's because they're 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 worried about um, not even morality. They're they're actually worried about uh, money. Is what they're worried about. Well, no, that's the lawyer's job. Yeah. Well, I mean. The bioethicists are different, but anyway, we're on a tangent now. But the point is, um, I think that I think I think the point is that we're moving towards a lot of um, very sophisticated medical treatments. However, it just we're still human. You still have to listen to your body. You still have to, Absolutely. you know, do the basic right things as far as you know, diet, exercise. And working with your, you know, um, medical team to get the treatment that's best for you. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, <clears throat> how, what type of symptoms do babies display Ooh. that, you know, lead doctors to on, on the path to perhaps this child has sickle cell anemia? Um, well, at this point, babies don't have to display any symptoms because mm-hmm. the testing is automatic now. Oh, it is. It's automatic. Oh, okay. Testing for the disease is automatic. Oh, excuse me. Um, But I will tell you uh, in general what it's like. I mean, obviously, people with sickle cell have a um, 
we're susceptible to other illnesses. Mm. So, um, you know, like I, for example, when I was a baby, I had pneumonia most of my first year of life. Wow. And, um, you know, uh, and that, that's fairly common. And so, uh, a lot of, a lot of children don't pull through that, obviously, or for obvious reasons. Um, but, you know, in general, it's the, the pain that you, it, you, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the pain that you feel, um, whether you're a baby or an adult, it's just really tremendous. Um, and the immobility that you can feel in your, your joints, um, not being able to move your arms or your legs. I mean, really not being able to use them at all. Um, you know, there, there were times when I was younger where I couldn't even get up out of bed to walk to the restroom. So my father would have to pick me up and carry me to the restroom and then carry me back to bed because my legs weren't working because they were just in that much pain. And, you know, Damon and I are Facebook friends mm -hmm. and there have been some Thanksgiving days where I've said, I'm thankful that my legs work. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get out and go for a run. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, really it sounds so silly. It's like, well, of course your legs work, mm -hmm. but it's not, I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's really, you don't take, for granted. you don't take, you right. don't take much for granted when you're a sickle cell patient because everything affects you. If you're too cold, if you're too hot, if you're stressed out, if you haven't gotten enough sleep, if you haven't gotten up and moved around, if you've eaten the wrong things, if, if it's, you know, um, if you've been sitting too long, if you've been standing too long, I mean, mm -hmm. really the list goes on and on and on. And I mean, like, I, think I might have sickles out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I can relate to a lot of that shit. <laughs> I think you have dickles. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's like uh, I watched this sweet young girl. She posted a video of herself to Facebook maybe a week or so ago. And she has sickle cell and she was in tears and she was, I mean, begging, begging celebrities to care about sickle cell and to talk about it and to bring awareness to it the way that the world has taken to the ALS ice bucket challenge. Wow, I mean, yeah. she was desperate for help. And I understand her desperation because mm -hmm. you, you don't even want it for yourself you want it because you know how you feel and you do not want others to feel it anymore. You want to find a cure. Right. You want to raise a hundred million dollars so that they can have all of the, the necessary resources to research it properly as they're able to do with cancer and ALS now and mm -hmm. so many other illnesses. And so she said that she would love to be able to partake to help and support other illnesses. But if you were to dump a bucket of ice water over yeah. her head, she would end up in the hospital wow. in the middle of a sickle cell crisis, which is true. Right. We wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, like people, people tease me and say, Oh, you never learned how to swim. You know, black girls don't know how to swim. You don't want to get your hair wet. I actually took swim lessons, but the water was not heated right. and the cold water would send me home in pain every day. And my yeah. parents said, we just have to take her out of it. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, just so many things affect a person with sickle cell. And wow. I think it's important to understand that 
we are taught as children when we're, when we're getting treatment, we're taught to handle a lot of our pain on our own at home. You have to learn how to manage it because otherwise you would literally be in the hospital all the time. And you can't, you have to know when it's necessary to go to, to see a doctor mm-hmm. and when you can deal with it on your own. And so because we're taught that, we mask a lot of the mm-hmm. inner pain that we're dealing with, not just the physical pain, but really the emotional pain mm-hmm. that you go through carrying an illness that you know is likely going to wear your body down mm-hmm. um, and, and and until it's your time to go. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I, I talked about this on my blog and I said, you know, people are so used to seeing me out and about and having a good time or going to a party or doing my events. Well, and to look at you, you look the picture of health. So I'm sure right. people have no idea. Yeah. And I think that people who even know me well don't think that sickle cell is really as They're big of a deal. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I think that people don't think it's really that serious of a disease yeah. and it really is. And yeah. it's like, you know, I'm not going to walk around being sad every single day. Right. And I do mostly have a smile on my face all of the time, yeah. but people with sickle cell are really carrying such a burden and such a heavy load. So I think it's important to be quite empathetic to people with the illness and understand that just because you see a smile on their face or see them living life while they have it does not mean that it's not a deadly disease. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, I guess, I don't know, it might be human nature or whatever, but I've noticed that anytime people have a disease or a condition or, or whatever it is, and they it's not don't, readily it's, it's not, right, it's not something that you can readily see. And they're not the type of person who a lot and uh, many of these people aren't, you know, they're not the type of person to 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 lean on that, you know, and to mm-hmm. to make it readily seen you know, and to vocalize it mm-hmm. that people they don't, you know, if they find out about it, then they don't think it's that big a deal or mm-hmm. they think you're faking or mm-hmm. that you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, exaggerating. Uh, exaggerating exactly because there's there they just assume that people that have any kind of serious condition you can see you it. can see that's it right. and it's going to be evident you that's know right. and right. that's just not, not, the, the, case. Case. not <laughs> the case not the case you would be surprised how many people in the medical field still do not understand sickle cell and the um, effects I mean I've been uh, I you know I grew up in a predominantly white area so I had to get my treatment at Children's Hospital in Oakland. <laughs> One of them, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ditty. I have that bougie sickle cell. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ditty sickle cell. Like, Look shoot. at you. It's like she puts her fingers together and she's in pain. Uh, <laughs> shoot. Well, this might so, be one time when it pays to go get treatment in the hood. They might be that's more right. familiar with it. That's exactly right. And I wow. would, I would have to, um, I would have to go to Children's and get treatment there, which is one of the best hospital for children. Um, Children's Oakland is one of the best for kids with sickle cell. Uh, as a matter of fact, the head of their program there, Dr. Vichinsky, he is going to do the keynote address at my event oh, on the 13th. Yeah, he's like the Michael Jordan of sickle cell. That's awesome. Yeah, he's fantastic. So anyway, um, but as I got older and you can't go to Children's Hospital anymore, I've had to go in the area where I was living in Northern California and you know, and, and this happens all over the country. They think doctors and nurses, sometimes when they're unfamiliar, they think that we are drug seekers. 
Oh, hell no. So when we go into the emergency room because they cannot see our pain right, right. and they'll take our blood and sometimes your, sometimes your blood count does not, um, does normal. not mirror what right. you're feeling physically. Right, right, right. So they think that we're drug seekers because mm-hmm. they definitely give you Heavy narcotics pain. for the pain. Right. And so if you don't go to a place where they know about sickle cell, they might not even want to treat you That's because horrible. they think that you're just trying to get high. That's right. horrible. That's really why this event is so important to me. And, uh, you know, the Sickle Cell Disease Foundation of California, they have programs like they, for example, have a camp that they do annually called Camp Crescent Moon. And it's for children with sickle cell. And all of the counselors there have sickle cell. Aww. And they have people on staff who understand what to do if the children happen to get sick. That's wonderful. And, you know, it's one of the reasons that I wasn't able to go to camp right. when I was younger because my parents were afraid that I would have a crisis and no one there would know what to do. Right. Um, so... It's really important to support not just this foundation, but any foundation in your area. All of the work is going to the same place, everybody. All of the work is going to help find a cure. A cure. So it doesn't matter if it's the Sickle Cell Disease Foundation of California or the, the Sickle Cell Disease Foundation on a national level. Support, donate, every dollar counts, 5, 10, 25. And again, the website to make a donation toward our goal for our event next week is regonline.com slash sickle cell gala 2014. Really, really fantastic event. A lot of really wonderful people are giving their time. Like I said, Roland Martin is going to emcee the event. And if you, if you've never been anywhere or seen Roland, online youtube do a youtube search of roland martin dancing okay (laughs) roland does not sit down at a party he has a good time he will he will make sure that everybody there has a good time i'm not i'm not kidding and i've i've been to a couple of parties with roland and he definitely will ensure that everyone not there not as not only as you know there for a great cause but that you enjoy yourself while you're giving to such a fantastic cause as well that's awesome all right. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Yes, thank, you. thank you all for having me. Thank you so much. It was thank great you being here. Thank you so much, Jonette, for uh, again coming by and educating us and spending time with us and being so candid about everything. We really appreciate that. And uh, we are going to take a little break and we will be right back after this. you don't know about sickle cell disease like that it affects millions people in almost all races black and white indian and asian hispanic and mediterranean and that it can affect you or someone you love no matter where you come from let's face it there's a lot you don't know about sickle cell disease and that's a disease too call the 211 info line to learn more 
Come experience pop, pop, pop culture from the dark side. On the 730 Show with me, Latone. Ooh, I, I need my cigars on this. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, Betamax, and VHS. Yo, what's up with your boy? I'm just a man with a fork and a world full of soup. No, I don't need no damn medicine. Latone Hart, he may need medicine. Check me out on the 730 Show podcast. Is it? There's a lot you don't know about sickle cell disease. That it's not contagious. It's hereditary. That it can be unbearable. That you could have the gene that passes it on to your children. But not even know it. And that there's a simple test so you can know it. Let's face it. There's a lot you don't know about sickle cell disease. And that's a disease too. Call the 211 info line to learn more. Uh, that was pretty deep. That was very deep, actually. Very. And now it's time to uh, to move on to um, our other segment. News and noteworthy. The shiznit. This is the first time that we've actually taken a request from our listeners for a topic. Uh, and this comes from our good friend Pip Lilly from the Langdon Nation show. He actually wrote in with this. Uh, he wrote in to me and requested that we uh, discuss this. And it's been on the back burner for a little while because we had our our little uh, series on myths and lies and whatnot. And so now that that's all freed up, <clears throat> we do have we do have uh, time to address that. So first of all, shout out to. Uh, Pip Lily, thank you, sir, for uh, listening to the show, and thank you for uh, sending in this topic for us to to deal with. Now, I have to say, I was telling Damon and our lovely guest Jonette just before the show started that I I don't think we've had a topic that I felt more ill-equipped to deal with, only because um, <laughs> I I read it twice and I just kind of didn't get it like first of all i wasn't aware of of the issue i'm i'm struggling to comprehend the issue and then i was i didn't even wasn't even aware it existed because i guess it's on the cusp of two worlds that i'm not really in so um with that i'm gonna turn it over to charlie bell because i know when you know i'm out of my depth and i'm gonna let her uh address this issue or at least uh <laughs> start it off and uh maybe break it down where us uh, straight guys can get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got to break it down to that basic, huh? Yeah, well, well let's, uh, let's straight talk about guy level. The name of the article is... Dear oh. White Gay Men. Yes. A letter from two of you. Mm-hmm. So these are two white gay uh, gents, and right. um, one named Christian Fuscarino and the other Guido Alexander Sanchez. And um, 
to me, as I read it, the purpose of this open letter to the white gay community was to confront some of the um, complicated relationships between um, the black community, the gay community, and then the overlap where there's, um, you know, gay folks of color. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not coming from the gay community per se, but I have been aware of some of these issues that came about. Um, so, for example, recently, um, Perez Hilton, do you guys know who Perez is? I do know who Perez okay. Hilton so is. The, the, the gossip columnist, he mm-hmm. said something to the effect that he was a sassy, he had a sassy black woman inside of him. <laughs> oh, I think I've heard a lot of uh, gay guys make comments uh, similar to that. Right, and yeah. that's not necessarily. I, I think that's, yeah, that's the one part I got. That, yeah. That, that that's offensive. That's offensive, right. Because right. everything's offensive nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think everything's. I think every. I think everyone has a voice in saying what's offensive to them now. That's the sure. difference to me. So anyway, um, and he's also um, challenging the white gay community to be aware of white skin privilege. So just because that they uh, are oppressed in one form or subject to discrimination and homophobia doesn't mean that they don't also get to exercise white skin privilege in this world that that when you know we're white people white skin does provide privileges right because so, the jews too so <laughs> that's a different article so some <laughs> <laughs> yeah but they, they they think that uh they don't think that they have that they think that uh you know well, I, I don't know i, I don't want to stereotype. We don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but in this particular, but of course there's always people within every, um, and then there's also black people that don't want to admit that they're homophobic too. So it's not that it's just a one way street, but in this particular article, it's about white folks challenging other white folks to kind of have a, um, more integrity about, their uh, relationship with with people of color. Okay, and so, so I I did get I did understand it. I mm-hmm. guess I just didn't. I don't know. I maybe you didn't realize where it was coming from, or no, I don't. I'm like, really, this is an issue. That's that's the thing. I mean, not to try to belittle it, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, yeah, gay guys say, yeah, there's a sassy, you know, there's a sassy black woman, or you know, I'm a, I'm I'm really a a a, a a black woman trapped in a white man's body or gay white man's body, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. It's to I me, think, it seems it, it's complimentary. Yeah. I, I yeah. Mean, yeah. It's, it's flattering. It's, it's basically saying that this is, this is the type of person I wish I was. Right. I wish I was a sassy. Boy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I okay. wish. Yeah, well, exactly. For one, that's the most superficial kind of example of what he's talking about. That's not the most oppressive thing that a white gay person can do to a black gay person, obviously. But I think what he's saying is like, you can't just appropriate other people's culture and history because you admire it. You can admire it and you can say, you can compliment it, but you can't just appropriate it because you feel like it expresses part of you because you're never going to get what it's really like to be a black woman in America. So I think that's, you know, so, but I think, but more, I think the deeper or more profound part of the article is confronting, you know, racism within the gay community. So for example, you know, gay, lesbian, bisexual, you know, trans community has made a lot of strides as far as um, just visibility and, you know, demanding their rights and also with the um, marriage equality push. But in reality, like a lot of the history of 
um, gay folks of color has gotten erased. Like if you look at like the Stonewall riots, which people say was the um, kind of the kickoff to the modern gay rights movement, mm-hmm. that was in a predominantly black and you know Latino community, and it was really about police brutality against you know queer people of color. And mm-hmm. so a lot of that history is being erased, and it's like well, some of the white um, gay community is kind of taking over. Like that, you know, the kind of this civil kind rights of, struggle. It's kind of the Mississippi burning uh, type. You know how people say uh, Mississippi burning uh, is is like it's like or, or, or movies that that focus on white people, right, right, who, exactly, uh, who helped out in this. Well, it's basically how hard the civil rights struggle war was for the FBI. Exactly. <laughs> or, exactly. Or, exactly. Or, 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 how hard it was for white people. Right. Yeah, or yeah, for or, the white, or, the white or, lady like, that had a black maid. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, like let's the, look at the civil rights struggle through her eyes. Yeah. Or like the help or, 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 or things right. like, right. which is right. Uh, exactly. So it's about erasure. It's about appropriation of uh, someone else's identity for your own entertainment. And then it's also, um, and then there was some, also some co-opting co opting someone else's pain. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. And that also um, speaks to a lot of kind of this language around civil rights and, you know, and gay folks talking about, you know, comparing their struggle to our struggle. And there, look, in fairness, there are comparisons, I think. And I also think that every struggle in this country has learned from our struggle as far as the civil rights struggle. I mean, I think the women's movement learned from it, the environmental movement, the gay, lesbian, bisexual movement had did, you know, I think that the civil rights struggle was a quintessentially American struggle that's informed the, you know, the changes in this country. But again, you can't just take it whole hog and co-opt and say that what we went through and what we're going through today is, is exactly, exactly the same. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, that's, I agree with that. And so I think that this is what he's challenging. You know, you may be gay and you may be – and you are discriminated against and you suffer from homophobia, but it's not – it doesn't manifest in the, the same, same way yeah. as people of color. So I think this is a part of a larger discussion, like, that we're having in our culture where we're seeing the inter- – it's about intersectionality. It's seeing the intersection. So, you know, a poor white person – doesn't experience white skin privilege in the same as a rich white person, right? They, they, even though they're both white and they both benefit from white skin privilege, they are coming from a different um, level of power in our society. Yeah. And just like a poor black person and a poor white, uh, rich black person, we both are experience racism, but in different ways. And, you know, so I think this is kind of the bit, to me, this is what I think is good about different subcultures coming out and telling their stories and demanding that their voices be heard because now we start to see the intersection that all these things play together homophobia racism sexism classism they all you know inform one another and how our lives are lived and so i think this is um that was the i mean i can't put words in their mouth but to me to me that that was this is their contribution to that dialogue about talking about how you know, we all need to be aware of where we're both the victims and the oppressors, you know, in different so, so scenarios. Now, now, do you think uh, gay white men are oppressing black gay men? Is um, So I hear you say we're both the, that they're both the, both the victims and the oppressors. Mm-hmm. I think so, they mean in a larger scale as, as part of. Because they're part of the, the dominant culture. Right, exactly. So, so, exactly. So, what he said, but I mean, 
maybe oppression is not always not the word. The, you want to I use mean, well. I think what it goes in different in different scenarios, it may be oppression. In other scenarios, it may just be you're oblivious to what yeah. the you know. But I think one of the examples that he gives is the objectification. I think like like a lot of white gay men will objectify. Um, black or, or men of color, you know, black men and mm-hmm. Latino men, just like, just like the Asia file white guy who just, you know, I love Asian women. Like, mm-hmm. no, you love this like stereotype of Asian women as being submissive and you know, whatnot. And so there's a lot of white gay men who exoticize and objectify black men mm-hmm. in the same way they see them as sexual so, objects. So mm-hmm. they, they, they basically take away their humanity exactly, as opposed to seeing them as, they see them as objects rather than human beings. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So that's some of the examples that they gave. I mean, and in a, you know, in a, in a scenario or, you know, when we talk about police brutality, mm-hmm. like sure the you know, gay folks have definitely been targeted for mm-hmm. violence and, you know, brutality from the police, but their gayness isn't necessarily as readily apparent. It's not, you know, the systematic type of police brutality necessarily that we've seen with black folks or, you know, again, we, we've mm-hmm. both experienced it, but it, it manifests differently. Right. And so, you know, some talking about some of that. Right. Well, it sounds like, sounds like to me, it's like, you know, uh, basically we can say, we can say we have a lot in common. Absolutely. That, you know, there's, you know, but you know, we just, we just have to be careful as to how we uh, how we express our, our pain, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know exactly. Because um, I, I I know I've had that uh, issue as far as uh, the gay rights struggle being similar to the uh, well, similar uh, being the same mm-hmm. as the uh, civil rights struggle, right. and uh, and it, it's just it's just not. Uh, mm-hmm. For a lot of the same reasons, I mean, obviously, it, I mean, you, you can't hide your skin color. Although, I, I'll, I'll be, you know, I, I don't like the idea of people having to hide who they are, right? Uh, to, in order to buy a house, but the fact is, you could, you, buy, you could buy a house mm-hmm. uh, if you, uh, if you did. But I, I, I can, I can, I can definitely see where, you know, sometimes people, like you say, can be oblivious to what's going on or may think they have more in common with someone than they do. And, um, I, you know, my whole thing is, man, you just, you just have to judge people as human beings. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, even, you know, even when <laughs> we, we like when you see, you see a beautiful woman, you have to re- remember that, yeah, there's more to her than just, she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that, that there's a mind there that, mm-hmm. that you know, there, there are other things and that, it can be offensive to to basically think of someone in terms of her ass looks. and titties. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was going to say curves because <laughs> I'm classy. <laughs> <laughs> and also, just to to kind of clarify uh, and backtrack a little bit. Now, I want to say just because now a person could prefer, you know. Uh, a person of another ethnicity, right, right. it doesn't necessarily mean that, that they're they objectifying, objectifying yeah. them. They would have to go to a further extreme to, to, to do that. But not right. one doesn't necessarily mean that just because that that's what you're uh, you're attracted to that that you're automatically objectifying them. Right, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It just it just I mean some of the examples he used was like right. in, in like the gay um, single ads when it's like you know the white man advertising some chocolate. Yeah, I want the some big dark chocolate. I want the big chocolate black ding. Yeah. You know, like come on, dude. 
I want some Mandingo dick. Yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> of course you are. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you can't take out an ad that says that. <laughs> may, may I chime in? Yes, you yeah. may. I think that, um, you know, one of the things when it comes to their struggle and our struggle and why there are a lot of discussions of, of the overlap um, is because, well, for two reasons. One, I think that, as you mentioned earlier, Charlie, there sometimes is piggyback on the civil rights struggle. And while I can appreciate how someone could see the similarities, I think that they are their own separate entities. The other reason when you talk about something like uh, Perez Hilton saying, you know, there's a sassy black woman trapped inside of his body, which I actually had a discussion about this on my Facebook page. Oh, you did? Oh, yes. And, um, you know, I think that what bothered me the most about it, I don't offend easily, first of all. I'm just not one of those people. I'm, I'm usually the one doing the offending. <laughs> <laughs> you fair, right? You can right offend in. me anytime. <laughs> Watch it, sucker. <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> so, oh, you can offend me too, Charlie. You know, baby, you know. <laughs> We've been offending each other for years. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very offensive to you. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, Big B was getting offended. <laughs> so, um, I think what offends me about it is that. I find it like it's almost like it's convenient mm. to pick and choose when somebody wants to be a black woman or when they like black men or they like certain characteristics or things about black culture. Mm -hmm. That's what bothers me. And it isn't, you can't, we don't get to pick and choose. Exactly. <laughs> we right. don't get to pick and choose when we're going to be black. Right. You know, whether I'm in my hometown where there are only a few black people, right. I'm clearly black there. Right. Or if I'm here, I'm, I'm black here, which doesn't matter. Absolutely. So, um, so to quote the, the great black prophet, um, Paul Mooney, <laughs> everybody want to be a nigga, but don't nobody want to be a nigga. That's I right. mean, and that's what he's talking about. That's he's like, right. like, it's the same thing with like the Miley Cyrus and like, oh, they want to be the wear cornrows and listen to right. hip hop music black, but they don't want to be the march when motherfuckers get shot black. That's right. You know, that, you yeah. know, so. It, and, and that's, that's the problem. Now, if there were a consistent, um, uh, devotion right. to black culture right. and black people at all times, then I could hop on board. Absolutely. I could hop on board. And I can honestly say that I, there, I do have my um, white sisters and brothers in the gay struggle that are, that, that are consistently devoted. And mm -hmm. I have respect cause they get, they get it. They get the, the connections, they get the differences, you know? So I think mm -hmm. he's just, it's a consciousness raising piece, you know? That's right. That's right. Okay. That's cool. Oh, just re that. one more real sure. quick point. I think this is also a source of tension that's probably even more relevant to our local, you know, the Californians is that for those of you who may or may not have been aware, you know, California passed Prop 8 a few years ago, which would have outlawed gay marriage. And subsequently, it's gotten turned over by the courts. How or, or, Overturned. Turned over. Anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> overturned. We knew what you meant. <laughs> it meant. ain't in effect no more. <laughs> but. <laughs> But at the t at the time, you know, 
a lot of white gay people were kind of blaming um, black and Latino church folk who were, you know, more religiously conservative for being the the kind of the oppressive vote in right. that struggle. And there was some truth to it. It wasn't totally true. Like sure. numerically it wasn't accurate, but there was some truth to that there there are a number of conservative, you know, churches that aren't down for the gay struggle at all. <laughs> right. So um so that's another I think recent um arena where this tension and this need for dialogue between our two communities has um come through. So And there you have it. <laughs> I hope Pip Lily is. I know. I, yeah, yeah. Really, Pip. Um, I hope we did this topic justice. I hope you. Uh, I hope you approve. But uh, either way, I'm sure you'll let me know. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we love you, brother. Pip, Pip. Hooray! <laughs> the shiznit. The shiznit. The shiznit. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Okay, well, this week's Back in the Day is all about food. Mm, we're all foodies here. But I don't know about... Um, our guest, Jeanette, I don't know if she's a foodie, but the rest of us are foodies. Are you a foodie, Jeanette? Lightweight. Lightweight, lightweight. foodie? Yeah, you look like a lightweight foodie. <laughs> That's how. <laughs> but, uh, and I had, a, I had a track that I was going to play underneath this segment, but now, I love that track. But I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I will never play his music anymore, but I'm not playing it. This time oh, in protest. I, soul food. Yes. Oh, I'm not playing soul food in you. protest of CeeLo Green. And his Green. ignorant. Yeah, and his ignorant day rape ass. Oh. Little munchkin ass motherfucking Ugh. look like a. <laughs> look like a black weeble wobble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And his his uh, fuckery. So yeah. I'm not playing it this time yeah. for, for that. But I, I'm not saying I will never play that song again because I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's what's so sad. If it was just some whack artist that we didn't like the music, it wouldn't have been so painful. Hey, I still listen to Michael Jackson. Yeah, I was going to say we had this conversation <laughs> on uh, uh, like years ago, yeah, like, a, like a year, ago, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I, yeah, I admitted then. Well, maybe after CeeLo dies, it won't be so painful to listen to his music. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, let's let's start. Let's um. I see you having sex with the girl. whatever kind of uh, food stories that you have that are relevant to your youth. I mean, anything like if you want to talk about comfort food, if you want to talk about you know something special, whatever, whatever food stories you got from when you were uh, a kid back in the day, bring them on. Let's hear them. We'll start with you as always, D. What's, what's going on? <laughs> and it, that thing that we talked about, if you want to use that, you can use that. I just, it just for me, it didn't apply. Okay. Um, so. Well, actually, when uh, just talking about comfort food as a kid, um, I, uh, I uh, my grandmother, uh, I loved her peach cobbler. Mm. It, it was, you know, it, it, it she, uh, I, I don't know. And and from what my mother says, she she actually she she didn't have a recipe. She never had anything written down. Oh, yeah. It was never 
Old it was never grandma. Old black grandma was never having breast cancer. The dash, the smidgen of that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I don't even think then she used that. Then you roll it out real good. <laughs> <laughs> you press it real hard. You make it with love, baby. She, she would press the dough with a hot comb. <laughs> Straighten it out. <laughs> See, I'm not the only corny nigga. I, 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 I get sucked up by the corn. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, she. Uh, I, I remember one year uh, at um, at uh, my high school, we, we had a Black History. Uh, we had a, a Black History. The Black Black Student Union had a Black History uh, 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 banquet. And so we all had to bring something from home, which basically meant all our parents had to cook something. Um, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, fuck it. I can cook. I, I got some Bisquick. I, <laughs> I, can, I can go buy some peaches. No problem. So I called my grandmother up, and she gave me those indecipherable recipes. Uh, <laughs> which my mother was like, she never told me how to make peach cobbler. Aww. She was like, my, my grandmother would throw my, my mother and my aunts out of the kitchen when she cooked. They did not, yeah. they all learned yeah. to cook on their own. Mm. Uh, cause my grandmother, but like my mother said, I, and, but my grandmother would let me in the kitchen. She's like, how come you get to go in there and, and nobody else? But she you weren't a direct threat. <laughs> <they> were. <laughs> so I, I called my grandmother up and I asked, uh, asked for the recipe. You know, I think I'm in 11th or 12th grade. Asked for the recipe for the peach cobbler and she tells me how to do it. And so I I rolled it up and I take the mix and and uh and comes out and it's like this big thick nasty ass peach flavored biscuit. Ew. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh snap. And I'm like oh mama's <laughs> it didn't come out right. It's nasty. <laughs> and she's like, that, "That's all right, baby. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna make you one." <laughs> so she, uh, I can't remember if I went to go pick it up. Big mama to the rescue. Yeah, right. <laughs> or she came and brought it, but she brought it, and I think she had to bring it like the next day. Aww. And uh, so uh, she brought it. We took it to the, uh, we took it to the banquet. I put that motherfucker in there. <laughs> And I had to go and do something. And like I was I was back fifteen minutes later, that was shit gone. was gone. <laughs> you didn't even get none of that big mama's cobbler. Nope. Didn't Damn. get any of it. And uh but it was a it was a compliment to my grandmother. Uh so it it was uh that was like that was probably the comfort food for all comfort foods. Wow. That, you know. Wow. And uh um, wish I liked peach cobbler. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm no, I'm not. I've almost lost my back black card on several occasions. You just confirmed my suspicion. You really well, are not black. Well, that that between that and watermelon, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a watermelon but, fan either. So, I like watermelon. I just won't eat it in public. You like watermelon? <laughs> you like watermelon cobbler? <laughs> <laughs> that what your big mom used to make for you, Jonette? <laughs> with, with a fried chicken crust. <laughs> I see that. That's why Dino don't lose his fry his black card because of the fried chicken. Yeah, thing. boy, I'm a fried chicken hoe. <laughs> Proud of it. He's a fried chicken hoe. Chicken hoe. Yeah, chicken hoe. Chicken hoe. <laughs> Crazy. Charlie Bell. Man, we honestly we could 
do a spinoff podcast just on the <laughs> subject. I know. That's why I'm like, <laughs> how come we haven't talked about food yet? But food and music, I mean, right. you know, that's like okay. So exactly. two two quick things. One is um. When I was a little girl, I was in the Girl Scouts, so brownies, what have you, and hip hop was just coming out. And so I will never forget my brownie troupe um, memorized the lyrics to Rapper's Delight. And my dad, mind you, this hip hop was new. My dad, you know, was, you told us this story, right? Oh, did I? Yeah, you told us the story oh. in the uh, in the uh, the uh, oh. hip hop uh, back in the day. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, I just but it just made me think of, like, have you ever went over a friend's house to eat and, and the food was just ain't no good? good? I, mean, I mean, the, the macaroni, macaroni soggy, the, the peas all mushy, and, and the chicken, chicken tastes like wood. wood. <laughs> right, exactly. So that was like anyway, that was like my when I was like, I love this hip hop. I have went over a friend's house to eat and the food wasn't no good. <laughs> it wasn't even called hip hop then. I mean, we all. And then okay, so. Another memory is, um, so you know how when you're a little kid, Christmas is like so exciting and right. you tear open your presents and you're hyped and you're playing with your, exciting you Exciting know, and new. Exactly. You're exciting and new toys <laughs> for the next, you know, whatever. Yeah. But then to me, one of the signals of like the glory of the Christmas season was coming to an end was when the grown folks started getting the chitlins ready for New Year's. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, Do you eat chitlins? I was Ugh. expecting you to give some happy memories. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, the first but one was I, happy. I, yeah, I didn't specify. So, if, you know, if you want to talk about the nasty stank chitlin smell that permeated your house, that's on you. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just sharing a deep seated memory. Um, you know, I have. I won't say I don't eat chitlins. I'll say I haven't eaten chitlins since I was a small child. Mm-hmm. I ate them back then because I didn't know any better. And then, right. you know, you ate what was on your plate. And I don't remember them tasting bad. I mean, I, they must have tasted good. Oh, they tasted good. Yeah. Do you eat chitlins? No. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> but honestly, if my grandmother prepared chitlins, because I trust everyone, only trusts their grandma or somebody mm-hmm. close. To prepare, if my grandmother prepared them and I didn't have to smell the preparation, <laughs> and she just put them on a plate like outside at a picnic, why? Who? Why? Why go through all that? Why? I don't understand it either. It's, it's, uh, they're not that good. Uh, they can't it's, be. It's, well, they're, 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 they're not. They're, 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm sure. Do you but, eat them? Not no. anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> but you know what? When 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 uh, I mean, I guess it's obviously one of those. It's a it's, it's a, a southern. Tradition. It's a southern tradition that just came. You know, when we came from the south, traditions are made to be broken. I, Fuck I, it. Okay. Especially that one. <laughs> right. You're like slavery was a tradition. Okay. So broke that shit too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Why are we still eating like slaves? Right. <laughs> well, you know the slaves ate barbecue too. Right. Yeah. Well. And watermelon and fried chicken when they can get it <laughs> yeah but uh but seriously I, you know I, I the the smell never bothered me uh and it tasted good it's wow. just it's just when i found out what they were mm. i just like you know i was like oh that i that's when i stopped eating so it's them. a it, mental thing yeah it's a mental thing it, it's uh Oof. yeah well you know i, I understand <laughs> you know people, my, the thing that gets me because like black folks on new year's they would have they would have chitlins and white folks have sauerkraut so you like had like two nasty ass smells. <laughs> Bring like, in the new year. That's like the worst Reese's cup ever. <laughs> what Ooh, the fuck? You got chillings in my sauerkraut. I got sauerkraut. <laughs> two whack things that don't taste good in no way, even separately. <laughs> they eat that shit in Appalachia. <laughs> Seriously. That's, man, that's yeah. like torture. 
<laughs> we put the we put the like, side. I can get that motherfucker to talk. He can tell all his country secrets in a minute. <laughs> Let me give him some of this the sauerkraut chitlin shit right here. <laughs> like, He'll give like up those secrets. Pig intestine all tied up. With the, with the sauerkraut. Okay, uh, let's. Yeah, I'm sorry. We gotta <laughs> let's get to my. We gotta move on. <laughs> I, can't, I really can't take it. <laughs> Jonette, what about you? Would you do you have any stories you'd like to share? You know, I didn't really, <clears throat> I wasn't really involved in <laughs> any food processes. Not have to be processed. It could just be on the on the on the eating end of it. I mean, yeah. just you know, something Stuff that you liked as a kid. Yeah, or that like, that you hated as a kid. Maybe something that made you feel better when you was having a tough um, sickle cell moment. You know, something that moms or dad prepare for you that kind of. You know, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't even have to be mom and dad. It can, it can just be something that they don't make anymore. Yeah, could have been well, Jack in a Box or. I definitely, <laughs> I was, I never liked to eat anyone's cooking except my mother's Aww. growing up. Oh, spoiled bougie girl. <laughs> <laughs> my mom was the best cook, or she still is, although I, I've surpassed her in a few of her dishes Uh-oh. now. She, she Which ones? Um, I make better macaroni and cheese from scratch. Wow. And uh, my greens are better. Ooh. Yes. That's well, because you haven't had mine, but okay. <laughs> um, bring it. <laughs> oh, I'm in this I'm in this contest. The bougie girl can make greens, okay? Oh, I, I, I hear you talking. Okay. But, uh, you know, that's just talk. Just saying. Just Whatever. talk. So, Both of you guys' greens are going to bow down to mine, but okay. I don't know. So that, mean, that makes me the judge. <laughs> Damon knows where his bread is better. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, you know, um, I am, everybody in my family ate chitlins. I didn't. I ate them when I was very young. And then, uh, when I knew better, right. I was like, no. And I used to go around the corner to my girlfriend Nikki's house and she'd be like, oh, your mom's making chitlins today. I'm like, yeah, I got to hide over here because I can't t- stand the smell. Right, right. Um, but, uh, my mom made the best fried chicken. Oh, she still does. She makes the best fried chicken. And so I decided I was going to teach myself how to fried chicken when I went away to college because mm. I had no one to cook for me anymore. So my roommate. This is a Spelman girl right here. Yes. So, um, so my college roommate and I, and she couldn't cook either. <laughs> Two bougie girls in an apartment trying to figure out how to fried chicken. And so she said, "Well, I'll just that taste." Sounds like a sitcom premise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's not like the that's not like the premise of a bad joke. How many black girls does it take to fry chicken? <laughs> bougie black girls, right? How many bougie black girls does it take to fry chicken? <laughs> so she said, "Well, I'll just taste. You do the cooking. I'll just taste." I said, "That's fine." <laughs> so I always remember part. when my mom and you know everybody's black mom had that big nasty looking black skillet that she right. would like fried chicken in. Mm-hmm. Okay, well we didn't the have cast that. Cast iron one. Yeah, the cast iron skillet. Oh, that's the secret ingredient. Yeah. Okay, see well, I didn't know that at the time. Mm, now you I know. was like, well, they don't sell that around here, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna just get whatever they have. So at like Mervin's. I got it from like Mervin's, right? So I remember my mom getting the grease really hot. So I turned the grease up and I you know, season the chicken, and I'm like, "Oh, this is gonna be so good. This is gonna be so good." And my roommate's like, "Yeah, okay, we're gonna do this. I'm so hungry." And I put it in, and we're like, oh, "I'm like, oh, it's getting brown. It's getting good." I'm calling my mom in California, "Mommy, it's getting so good. It's gonna be so good." And then I called her back like a few minutes later, and I was like, 
Why is it still hella bloody on the inside? Right. Like, I knew it's it, yeah. raw in the middle. Yep. And it's yeah. brown and crisp and beautiful looking on the outside. <laughs> and my parents thought it was the funniest thing. She's, you want me to fly out there and fry you some chicken? <laughs> no, we're just going to throw this away and start over. Yeah. I, I think every, I think everyone, I think that happens to every person the first time they okay, fried good. chicken okay okay i feel better did not happen oh, to me oh, excuse and me. i was nine the first time i fried chicken i'm just saying whatever <laughs> you can ask my dad he's upstairs he would he would tell you whatever but whatever. uh you know you, <laughs> i'm just, just saying you got a, you're a secret fried chicken frying superhero <laughs> you got a, you got now a cape and everything now all of my white friends ask me to fry chicken for them john that your fried chicken is so good will you fry chicken for like, me bitch that's racist <laughs> <laughs> will, you, will you make me martini? Shake it, not stir. Oh, crack it. <laughs> if you make me eggs, Benedict. Okay. <laughs> my, uh, when, With a trust fund. <laughs> right. When I was when I was twelve years old, my mother uh, and my grandmother and my my young youngest aunt all went to Hawaii, and we uh, like the first day we we ate. You know, we ate out and it was so expensive. And my grandmother discovered like there was a kitchenette in the um hotel room. In the hotel room. So she went downstairs to this little little, little market. She bought some uh <laughs> she bought some chicken and I guess she had a fry I don't know where she got the frying pan from in the <laughs> grease. But we had fried chicken all we wasted we wasted seven days in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot take black people anywhere. <laughs> It's like luau, fuck a luau. We haven't fried chicken. Wow. <laughs> you could at least use uh, coconut grease. <laughs> she could have put an apple in the mouth of the chicken. <laughs> Some, some pineapple wedges up in the motherfucker or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, do something different. Get your ass back up here. We're having grits and fried chicken. <laughs> she, they, she strung it around their neck. They chicken leg. That's hilarious. Wow. That is a good story. That is. <laughs> All right. So, um, my, my favorite childhood memories. Oh, before I, real quick, before I get into that, I wanted to ask Jeanette. Uh, how how did how old are your parents? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, my father is going to be sixty eight okay. in December. What about your mom? My beautiful mother is sixty five and flawless. That's that's <laughs> remarkable because um, actually I asked about your parents, but I really was only asking about your mom mm-hmm. because you're saying how good she still cooks, and in my experience and most of my friends' experience, yeah. as our parents got older. Not so much. Really? Yeah. So what, the, what you're you very fortunate about the 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 cooking. It goes. Their taste gets all wacky oh, and stuff, and yeah. so it's their tastes are thrown off. Therefore, their cooking is thrown off. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. You know, uh, now you, when you said that, that reminded me. My my uh, my grandmother. She suffered from Alzheimer's for for about ten years, mm-hmm. and towards the end, she she didn't recognize anybody, and she couldn't oh. talk. But my aunt tells a story. Of my grandmother getting up in the middle of the night, cleaning greens. <laughs> wow! She don't know who any of us are, <laughs> and she made a pot of greens. What? Uh, that they were good. I don't know because I I just know that she made them. <laughs> wow! And uh, I was like, wow, 
Yeah, that's that's some deep memory there. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's very fortunate for for your mom and your dad, I guess, or <laughs> everyone, because it, that does not that's not always the case. Yeah. That's true. So I know I know my mom. Uh, her cooking went way downhill. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> back to my my happy memory though. My mine has to be Thanksgiving time. Aww. Um, when I was a kid, I mean, and it was Thanksgiving was an event and i mean a multi-day event oh, yeah. <laughs> my mother by herself she used to get down and she would start like i said two three days in advance mm-hmm. you know cooking stuff and stage work because she would cook mm-hmm. so much stuff right. i mean that's the only time in my life when we would have a ham a turkey and a roast. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it was like you were cooking Noah's Ark. Yeah. Yep. Man, Excess. I mean, and then she would do the dressing and she would make monkey bread from yep. scratch. Yep. Not the monkey bread that's known now. Like, I just recently found out about this new monkey bread that's like it's, sweet and a dessert not and all that. Bread. Right. That's I just now recently found out about roll. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know. I was like, what? That's not monkey. What the? Right. What yeah, that's monkey. I'm like, nah. And this girl was in cooking school and she's telling me this monkey bread. I'm like, no, my mom used to make this shit from scratch and right. it didn't, it was not this. Right. So anyway, yeah, she used to make the monkey bread. I mean, kneading the dough and all that, the you butter. Let it and rise all that stuff. like three times. Man, all of that. She'd make the sweet potato pies mm-hmm. and, and like everything from scratch. And wow. it, everything was just so, so good. Oh my God. It was so good. And then after Thanksgiving, the leftover sandwiches she would make. Oh, because we'd have, obviously, you know, you know, like one day we would have, <clears throat> like, uh, she'd take a, like a roast, like some of the roast beef and she'd, uh, she'd toast the bread and she'd put the, you know, the roast beef on there and, you know, some lettuce and everything. And we have these roast beef sandwiches and then, then uh, she'd mix it up, you know, and then one day we would have like uh, she'd take some of the turkey or the ham and make fried rice out of it. You know, mm. and she would have we would have the same thing with all three meats, but different on different days, you know, to right. kind of mix it up. So we, we would have one day at one point we would have turkey, roast beef or ham sandwiches. And at one point we would have uh, turkey, ham and uh, roast beef, uh, fried rice, <laughs> 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 not to mention just the straight. You know, Thanksgiving leftovers, leftovers all yeah. over again, like we having uh, Thanksgiving dinner all over again. Oh yeah, and it was oh, it was it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Aww. It was I just it was that magnificent. Sounds wonderful. I want to ask my mom to cook for me now. <laughs> I want to get in the time machine and go over to Dino. Exactly. <laughs> me too. Yeah, man. Oh you my see, god. We're all looking. We're all looking at him with like and saliva dribbling. Exactly. Yeah. But you, but you know what? I've been to Dino's uh, family for Christmas, man, and you know. They ain't, they they ain't slouches over there. <laughs> no, they no. they know how to burn over yeah. at, at 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 the Dino at the Dino uh, at the Dino Extended Family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my sister uh, she she turned out to be a pretty good cook. She she got off to a slow start. She had that same chicken experience that uh, <laughs> Jeanette talked about earlier when she was uh, a young a young wife. <laughs> and then um uh. Both my nieces can cook really well, especially Shelly, my niece uh, Rochelle. Oh, nice! I always say she's my she's my favorite cook. She's my favorite cook. Out of that girl, she's goes down. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. Shout out to Shelly! Shout out <laughs> to Shelly! Oh my god! Oh, yes, yeah, Shelly, if you go Ooh. you go to the, 
down to Atlanta, you're gonna have to come home for the holidays and uh, <laughs> bring your mac and cheese and stuff. Mm. We're gonna need to wrap this show up. I'm getting kind of hungry. Okay. <laughs> I need some snacks. <laughs> for, really? <laughs> for real though. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that is that is we are wrapping it up. This is this does conclude uh this week's episode of the Shiznit. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Again, thanks so much to our, our lovely, lovely special guest, Jeanette Jordan. And Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Want to plug that web- website one yes. last time? Sure. The website to make a donation or to buy a ticket for our sickle cell event on September th- 13th is com slash sickle cell gala 2014. Oh, yeah. Real quick, before I've been uh, holding this for a while and... Uh, we're going to share with you guys our some of our uh, stat information. We are actually knocking on a very important milestone. We actually have already passed it, really, uh, which is the 10,000 download uh, mile, milestone. Um, yeah, I, I thought so. I thought that was a... And like I said, technically, we've already passed it because we had about 1,000 downloads of the Deuce and Dino show. Those five or six episodes or whatever. And I eventually de- deleted those because I got tired of explaining to everybody. It's that, the same show. Right. With a different and, name. Yeah, and every time, yeah. Because a lot of people want to go back to the beginning and, you know, check out the show and then you have to explain to them because they're hearing one, you know, mm-hmm. so I finally took those off. And when I took those off, <clears throat> those downloads disappeared too. And then there's also, um, Stitcher. Um, and we have quite a few. So, we are we're already at a ten thousand downloads, but we are approaching the 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 point where our we will currently be able to like now it doesn't say ten k you know it says just under ten k mm-hmm. but we're rapidly approaching the point where it will say ten k and uh, that's I'm looking forward to actually just seeing ten thousand downloads belonging to uh, our network and uh you know, I never heard any other uh, podcast celebrate that or mention it or whatever. But as far as I'm concerned, it's a milestone, and I'm 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 happy to you know and appreciative of our listeners that they've helped us reach this. And pretty quickly, I I took a little bit of a poll and asked some people, and uh, I didn't get a whole lot of response. But <laughs> most most of the people um, who were aware of when they reached or whatever, they said it was about a year and a half. You know, mm-hmm. um, there was uh, one person who reached it like really quickly or whatever. But <clears throat> I found in the pod game, most of the people who have um, big success really fast are people who already have an audience as a as a blog or like YouTube or something mm-hmm. like that. And they have a ton of followers They're coming from another platform. Right. And <clears throat> exactly. Or <clears throat> television or something like that. And they bring those followers onto their um, to their podcast. Otherwise, it's a slow it's a slow long grind, right. uh, which which we're on. Um, I want to ask you guys, what? Do, oh, also, we have a little bit of an overseas uh, following that's growing. All right. Yeah, up until about a week, about two weeks, and this is that's really new. Up until like two weeks ago, ninety eight percent of our downloads were all USA, and Probably fifty-five percent of them were from California, um, <clears throat> but now we have uh, some downloads overseas as well. Um, to the point that we have six percent of our downloads coming from Europe, and two percent 
coming from Asia. Wow. So, That's amazing. <clears throat> um, hey, you guys, don't use this podcast to learn English. It's not going to help you. So I want, I want you guys to guess, what do you think the, the biggest country outside of the USA uh, that's, that's listening to us? I already gave you one clue. So it's in Europe. There you go. I'm, I'm going to say Germany. Okay. And uh, what about you, Charlie Bell? I'm going to say France. Okay. Jonette, you want to play? I guess. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, Europe is a big continent. Damon got it right. It is Germany. Wow. That would have been my guess. Like a shiznit almost sounds like a German. <laughs> <laughs> they think it's German. Yeah, yeah. That's what like, it is. Uh, sounds like schnitzel. Yeah, schnitzel. <laughs> they, they call it the Scheitzer. Scheitzer. <laughs> okay. And what, what, um, what country in Asia do you think um, where we're getting all of our uh, downloads right now? 2% of our listeners come from. So shout out to Germany. Hi. <laughs> not Heil. He did not say Heil. He said hi. Hi. <laughs> that sounds like Japan. I'm gonna say the Philippines. What do you think? I was gonna say that, but I'll say Japan now since he said the Philippines. And it is Japan. Oh, that's yeah. And um, some other countries that we have gotten downloads in, but not enough for it to be a percentage, are the Philippines and Canada. Yeah, so I just thought I found that, that kind of interesting. Thought you guys might find it interesting as well. And uh, we got a, a decent size uh, following in Hawaii, too. You never guess. We got like 8%. 8% of our listeners come from Hawaii. Interesting. And now they'll be trying to fry, fry chicken, chicken. <laughs> with coconut oil <laughs> and pineapple. <laughs> that could be good if they do it right. That could be good. But anyway. Aloha! We should have a fried chicken exchange. Really? <laughs> so shout out to all our overseas listeners. Uh, we know we know you're there. So if you guys uh, ever are so inclined, feel free to contact us and uh, give us a shout out. Give hit us up more on social media. Um, leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on air. And uh, with that, we'll see you next time. Take care, guys. From all of our crew to listeners like you, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Shiznit. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show. Check out our website, theshiznitshow.com, or hit us up on Facebook under The Shiznit. Follow us on Twitter at The Shiznit Show. Write to us at theshiznitshow at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail and make it sexy at 424-261-4878. This has been... The Shiznit.